0: Amen. What a great reminder. Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. My heart's full already. And thankful for the music this morning and your singing. It's been good. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 1, and we'll go down through verse 13. It's titled The Message this morning. It's not an original title by any means, but An Attitude of Gratitude. Philippians chapter 4, An Attitude of Gratitude. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to be to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, I can't help but notice a couple people have had to slip out. And Lord, if they're not feeling well, God, I pray that you touch them and help them at this moment. Father, we do pray, Lord, that you would help the remainder here to Just focus in on the word of God now, not on what I have to say, but how the word of God would minister to us. May the spirit of God speak to our hearts. Lord, I ask for your help and your filling. So I pray that you'd fill me with thy spirit now. and Lord, that you'd receive all the glory, honor, and praise, and that your word might be magnified and, and complete its perfect work in our hearts and lives today. Father, help us to be thankful. Help us to remember all the mighty things that you have done for us. But Lord, there's so many little things you've done for us, too, that we take for granted. Lord, help us to look around us and take stock and to truly praise your holy name for all your many, many blessings. So Father, we just commit this time to your hands now and ask that you would speak to us. We'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned Pastor McLean earlier in the service about his favorite verse of him and He's also kind of famous around kids that go to Camp Yes for this quote as well, and I don't believe he coined it. I think it comes from another source, but he really emphasized our attitude, and he used to say this all the time. It is your attitude, not your aptitude, that will determine your altitude in life. I think that's true. We're going to find that in the scriptures actually today. It is your attitude, not your aptitude, that will determine your altitude in life. How far you will go in this life is based more upon your attitude than anything else. I believe as we read Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, the core verse of this chapter is verse 6, and we're going to examine it just a little bit closer for a few moments before we get into our message this morning by way of introduction. Look at verse 6 with me, if you will, again. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Let's break down that passage a little bit. The Bible says, first of all, the very first phrase we come to in verse 6 is be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. You know, the word careful there, we often will say that to our children. Be careful. Don't, you know, be careful around when you're driving a car. Be careful when you come uh, around other vehicles and you're on the road driving. We're scared about that, aren't we? Kids turn 16 and they want to drive. Yesterday, we had uh, uh, decorations up for the wedding and we had some uh, stuff going up the middle aisle and we had vases up the aisle with water in them and floating candles that were lit up and those baker boys were running everywhere. And I just kept thinking, how many times am I going to say, be careful? be careful. We didn't want anything to catch on fire. We didn't want water spilled on the floor. And, and they, don't, they don't know. They're just having fun. You know? They're running up and down, having a good time at the rehearsal. And, and I'm just thinking, be careful, be careful. But that's not what this word means. We think of it in modern English today, be careful to, to watch and to take care. But when it says be careful for nothing, it means don't be anxious. Don't be full of worry. Don't be full of care. And he tells us in the, in the next phrase that by everything by prayer and supplication we can give it to the Lord. We, we ought not take thought for certain things because God is in control of them. So be careful for nothing. Then he says, but in everything by prayer... Now, notice what he says by prayer and supplication, which tells me that there must be different meanings to these words. To, to have supplication is to pray. But the word here, when it says, but in prayer, it's talking about your posture or that place of prayer. Maybe you have a place that you go to that, that you pray in your home, or maybe you like to come in when you're struggling, and you'll come into the auditorium and sit and pray before a service, or maybe you would come to an altar and pray. It's talking about that posture of our hearts and how we meet with God. That's what this word prayer means. In the Old Testament, the Jew would go to the temple, or he would go to the synagogue, and if they had no synagogue or temple, we just learned a couple of weeks ago in the book of Acts that Paul came into Macedonia, and he found in Philippi, of all places that we're in this morning, he found that uh, some Jews were gathered by the river, and there they prayed. And you say, why is that significant? Because before they would pray, they would cleanse their hands. It was ceremonial. It was signifying the cleansing of the heart. And so in the synagogue, they would have a wash space. And in the temple, they would wash themselves. And before they would pray, they would wash themselves beside a river. But it, it was talking about the posture of prayer. God, I humble myself. And I need a clean heart. And I want to approach you because you are holy. I want to approach you in a clean manner. And so I... Wash myself before you. So in everything by prayer. And then he says supplication. And supplication is that prayer which is the groaning of the heart. It is that prayer that God answers. On Wednesday nights, we hand out a prayer list. If you are a senior and we were during the lockout there, we were delivering those into your homes and you would get a prayer list, and a lot of times you would pick up that prayer list and you would read a name, and it would say a name on there, John Smith or something, and you say, I don't know who that is. Somebody in the church has put that name on there, whether they're sick or whether they need to be saved or whatever it is, and it might say Brother David Axler's third cousin from his, you know, whatever, and, and you'd say, okay, well, it's David Axler's third cousin. I don't know. And so we will pray and say, God, we pray for David Axler's third cousin, John Smith. He needs a, a kidney transplant or whatever his the problem is. And we bring that to the Lord. And, and by the way, that's not wrong. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens. But let me ask you, when we pray like that, are we really burdened in the heart? It's hard to be burdened when you don't even know the person. Now, we ought to be burdened because Brother Axler's burdened for them. Right? If we're truly bearing one another's burdens. But you know that when a need hits you in the heart, then you get burdened. When when the doctor gives you bad news, then you're burdened. When your child is hurting, then you're burdened. The Bible tells us the story of Hannah who was burdened because she was barren. She could not have children. And the Bible talks about her husband, Elkanah, who said, Am I not better you than 10 sons? That didn't help. Elkanah had another wife by the name of Penina who uh, the Bible called her adversary and she provoked her sore and she reminded her every year that she had no children. And so Hannah went before the altar and she fell down on her face and she wept and she sorrowed and she prayed and that is supplication. Eli thought she was drunken because her mouth would move but no words would come out. And She says, I'm not drunken but I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. And God heard her supplication, the burden of her heart as she poured out her heart before God. So the Bible says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. And look at those next two words, with thanksgiving. You know, this verse would read just fine without those words. If we were to take those words out of the Bible, and I don't mean to do that. I'm just illustrating something here this morning. Notice what it says. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. We could take that verse, and we could apply that verse, and we could say God wants us to pray, he wants us to be burdened, he wants us to pour our heart before God, but God, by the inspiration of his Holy Spirit, told the author Paul, tell the church of the Philippi to do all of that with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Now think about this. When we are truly in a place of supplication, it is often difficult to pray in supplication and also to have thanksgiving. You say, well, why? Because those things that we are in genuine supplication about, we are hurting and burdened and broken about. And yet God says it's in those things that you need to come to me with thanksgiving. Boy, it just seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It seems like opposites, there's just, how do, we, how do we make that work? But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything give thanks. It doesn't necessarily say for everything, but in everything. You say, well, I'm not thankful for cancer. No, I don't think you would be. But if you are battling cancer, you can still in that situation be thankful. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Notice what the scripture shares with us this morning. We are to have thankful hearts. So many struggle with the will of God and just simply being thankful is the start. He said, what does that give me? Look at verse seven. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We love to claim that verse, don't we? Verse seven. We do. We sing it as kids, don't we? I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. And we we say that a lot of times too. I just got, you know, God's going to give me the peace that passes understanding. Will He? He will if we come to Him with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. When we learn to say, God, thank you for this trial, I'm learning so much. Understand this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they never got to meet Jesus until they were actually in the fire. That's where the fourth man showed up is while they were going through the furnace of affliction. And that's when he often shows up for us. That's when we often feel closer to the Lord when we're sitting at the bedside of some loved one that is dying. That's when the Lord, who never leaves us nor forsake us, but taps us on the shoulder and reminds us I'm right here. Who takes us in his arms and comforts us and loves us a little differently than he does day by day. Come to him with thanksgiving. I want you to notice some things from the scriptures this morning and we'll move very quickly. Notice first of all that this, this prayer, this attitude of gratitude is something we must cultivate. We have to cultivate the right attitude I believe the scripture helps us with that. Look at verse four. It says, first of all, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When are we to rejoice? Anybody here? (laughs) Always. All the time. Rejoice. Learn how to thank God in all things. Learn how to rejoice in what he is doing. Listen, listen, listen to me, friend. I don't know what's going to happen when you step outside this church this morning. I don't know if you're going to get hit by a bus. (laughs) I don't know if you're going to drive your car in a ditch. I don't know if you're going to get home and your turkey's burnt because the preacher's long-winded. I don't know what's going to happen to ruin your day, but this I know. Jesus still prepared a place for you. He still shed his blood for you. He still went to Calvary for you. He gave you eternal life and he put you within his hand and no man shall pluck you out of his hand. I don't know what it takes to ruin your day, but this I know God still loves you. And you can rejoice in that. And you can know his love and you can know his comfort and you can know his peace no matter what the world throws at you. By the way, the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and one day he's going to show up looking for you. But you're to rejoice in the Lord always. We will read in a few minutes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about being shipwrecked three times. And it was Paul that wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Paul was beaten and left for dead outside the walls of a city. The disciples thought he was dead. And as he's laying in that dust, he's singing, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It was Paul that had the stripes upon his back. And as he's thrown into a prison cell, he can be heard to sing at midnight. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And that night the singing reached the angels' ears. And they came and they unloosed his chains and opened the door. Learn how to rejoice. It's an attitude that we must cultivate. It's something we must do on purpose. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. In verse five, let your moderation be known unto, unto all men. That word moderation means self-control. Self-control. Sometimes we struggle by keeping our temper in check. We lash out at those the closest to us. And we hurt them. He say, well, how do, I, how do I bring that under control? How do I get that temper under control? Have you ever noticed we act differently around some people than we do others? Years ago... I went to the, I it's gonna tell you how long ago it was, I went to a barber shop. There was one near my house, we lived on Bonaventure Ave up in the West Hamilton Mountain, and there was one not far in a little plaza and I'd seen it. So I went over there and went into this barber shop and it was a Saturday morning and there was three older gentlemen in there and, and they were both all three of them were seventy to eighty years old, older gentlemen, and you kind of expect a certain decorum. From older gentlemen like that. And I'm telling you, some of the filthiest mouths that I ever heard in my life. Incredible. Two of them were just there to visit with the barber. They brought Tim Hortons in and they were sitting in the chairs over. And they were just talking and they were telling their stories. And they were cussing and filthy mouthed, And it just, it just, it just really was grating on me. And finally, the barber, as he's telling all these stories to the fella, and he's cussing and he's swearing, he turns to me and he's cutting my hair and he says, and so what do you do for a living? I said, oh, I'm the pastor of Faith Baptist Church. And all of a sudden, it was King James English coming out of him. Well, blessed thou, Holy Father. We are so blessed to meet thy presence. And it just—it was so much garbage and so phony and so fake. But the point is that the language changed instantly. I used to to get a kick out of my my dad. My dad would answer the phone, hello. If it was my Uncle Wayne, and my Uncle Wayne said hello on the other end, my dad would go, hello, how are you? And his voice would change. It was just a way the two of them brother-in-laws communicated. And I I turned to mom and go, Uncle Wayne must be calling. How do you know that? I said, I can just tell by the way dad talks to him. We change around different people. We, our our hearts and our, and our and our conversation changes a little bit. He said, "What's that got to do with the text? Look what it says. Let your moderation be under self control. Why? The Lord is at hand. God is watching. This is not talking about the return of the Lord. The, he's not saying the Lord is returning soon. He's saying God's watching. He's right here." He can hear every word you say. Tuesday morning when you go back to work and you want to undress that employee and up and down, tear him up one side and down the other, remember the Lord is at hand. They want to see how you react to trials as a child of God, not how you tear people apart in your anger and bitterness. The Lord is at hand. I'm just talking about cultivating this attitude of thanksgiving how do we rejoice in the lord and how do we show the world that we know christ rejoice in the lord always and remember that god is at hand he's listening he's watching he cares be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving take all your needs say i'm struggling with these things take them to the lord let your requests be known unto god so cultivate the right attitude But then we also have to work on changing the wrong attitudes. To have a thankful heart and to have an attitude of gratitude, we must change the wrong attitudes. Look at verse 8. How do we do that? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely... Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What do you dwell on? What do you dwell on? A lot of times we dwell on our problems. The more we dwell upon our problems, the more our problems take control of us. There used to be a a music, uh, a, a pianist, for a, a, a quartet, a men's quartet, and this pianist came down with leukemia. And he was very sick, and eventually he would die of that leukemia. As a matter of fact, the, the fellow that took his place at the piano when he died wrote that song, God's Been Good. And his fellow, this fellow's name was Roger Bennett. A lot of you know, have heard of Roger Bennett, and he used to say this all the time I have cancer, but cancer doesn't have me. See, it's just about your attitude. Those things that we dwell on, they fester in our lives and they take over. And they, Some of us, we can't help it, it's thrown in our face all day and all, all the time. It, and we're just, We just let it fester and it takes over and it leads to bitterness and anger. And, and, and The Bible says, no, no, don't, don't do that. He says, here's what you need to do. Think on what's true, what's honest, what's pure, what's holy, what's right. You get struggling with those things. Open up the Bible. Turn to the end of the book of John and read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Read about how God sent his son in John chapter three because he loves you. Turn to the book of Psalms chapter 50 and read the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Read Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Read the Bible in Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not for I am with thee. Read in Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Read Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Read Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Over and over, we can find comfort in the word of God, but we have to think on the right things. We need to change the wrong attitude, then we need to conquer a fleshly attitude. Look at what it says in verse 11. Look at verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. If you would read in the book of Acts, you will find that when Paul was at the church of Philippi, they gave him an offering to help take care of his needs, and then for a long time they couldn't give him anything. And Paul acknowledges that, he says that in verse 10. He says, uh, wherein at the end you were also careful but you lacked opportunity. You just didn't have the means at the time to help me. But he says, now at the end of my ministry, your care is flourishing me again. In other words, I've, I've, I've received again from you. And then he says this in verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. I don't want you to think that I was hurting during that time, that you couldn't help me. Not that I speak in respect of want. Look what he says. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's something we all could learn: how to just be content. We look for the newest and the biggest and the brightest, and always replacing what we have. And I'm listen. I'm not against. I'm not against you having things. I'm against when things have us. Sometimes we just get the newest gadget because it's there, because it's fun. We can't afford it and we overextend ourselves and we're not being responsible or good stewards of God's money. That's a fleshly attitude. Paul says, I, I've learned to be content. Even, we'll see in verse 12 of, of Philippians 4, even when I'm abased or when I'm hungry, I've just learned to be content. I'm not gonna complain. I'm gonna be content. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and read with me in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. Did you, did you realize that? The Bible says in the book of Acts that Paul was shipwrecked and he grabbed onto a board and he floated. But it doesn't tell us for how long. Here it says he was a day and a half floating at sea in the deep. Incredible. What What a, what a life. Five times he was whipped by the Jews, he was beaten with rods, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. Verse 26, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. I won't read any further. See, what are you saying? It was during those trials that Paul says to us in Philippians 4 I've learned. I've learned to be content. Yeah, I'm a little hungry, but I'm not getting beaten today. <laughs> I'm abased, but I'm not in prison. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves how good God is. We've had dark days and we've had trials in our lives, but it was in those trials that God has drawn closer to us and loved us and encouraged us, and we have learned from those things, hopefully, true contentment. And then number four, we need to learn how to be content in the fullness of Christ. We need to conquer that fleshly attitude that we're content, but we need to be content in the fullness of Christ. Look back at Philippians chapter 4, And verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Paul says I'm content, not because... I have simply learned. Not because my back is so raw that the whip doesn't hurt anymore. I've learned because I know now that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. 1 Timothy 6 verse 8 says, Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. You know, a lot of us want that new thing, something that looks shiny, Kids will stomp their feet till they get it. And Paul says, Timothy, do you have food? Do you have clothing? You're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. Paul also writes to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 13. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. (laughs) Do you hear what he said? Be content with what you have because you also have Jesus. You don't need anything else. I'm tired of this old car. I told the crowd this morning that if the Lord tarries this coming long enough, every one of us will be laid out right here. And none of that stuff you covet will fit in that box. But you'll be in the presence of Christ because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Wonderful problem. Be content. Be content. Be content. It's the path to thanksgiving. Are you happy with what you have? Are you thankful? Let me ask you this. The true measure of thankfulness is this. If everything was taken away and all I have left is Jesus, is it enough? Is it enough? I remember years ago, this just came to my mind. We had a dear lady in our church who has gone to be with the Lord, Diane Broach. Diane raised her family and raised them all alone. Her husband left her when the kids were just babies and took off, and they never heard from him again. And she raised, I think, five kids. And uh, she says, you know, it, it's funny. She says, I'd I put the kids to bed, then I'd have to go to work at night. She said, but God always, she had a beautiful home. She says, God just seemed to always take care of my home and give me a home and give me all these things. And she says, God, this good to me. And she says, but what I miss is I, I would really like to have a companion, A husband. She says, I've been single, I think it was 40 some years. She says, I've been alone for all these years. And she says, I just, my kids are gone now and they're grown and I'm lonely. They live all over the world and son in New Jersey and other places. So I'm just, I'm just lonely. I'd like to have a husband. I remember preaching one time about is Christ enough and we sang that song, Christ is all I need. He's all I need. We sang that song, and that was the invitation. And she came down the altar and she says, I've decided, Pastor, I don't need no man. If Jesus isn't enough, if Jesus isn't enough, she says, If God gives me one, that's fine. But Jesus has to be enough. Is He enough for you? Are you content? Are you thankful? And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. I thank you for Diane. I miss her. She was such a blessing to our family. And that last thought, she was just such a great example to us too. The Apostle Paul has given us a challenge today that we are to come to you with thanksgiving it's about our attitude and how do we cultivate that how do we conquer the flesh father we just be thankful John the Baptist would tell the publicans be content with your wages and don't take any more he told the people if you have two coats give one away be content with what you have. He told the soldiers to be content with their salary and not to steal from anyone. He was just telling us to be happy and be thankful for what we do have and not to covet from others. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us. Lord, we do pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning and help us to be thankful, thankful for the opportunity to gather with family this weekend. and Lord, that you would just do a great work in our families, in our hearts, in our lives, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Could you just take a moment? Could I encourage you to do this? Would you just thank God for a few things? Just take a time of prayer and just thank God for some things. Praise Him for some things. Give Him glory.